You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are related to our faith in Jesus and the way that it plays out in our everyday lives. Our question on this episode is, is pornography harmless? Pornography is pervasive. It's everywhere in our society and Christians are exposed to it. Non-Christians are exposed to it. How should we think about it? How does the gospel inform the way that we approach this topic? That's what we'll discuss today. Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy. I'm here with uh, Joe Coffey, our lead pastor, and Zach Wyrock, the director of Orchard Enio and a member of our leadership team. Today, our question is, is pornography harmless? So uh, the reason this topic came up was I was listening to a podcast, and I've heard even people who are followers of Jesus say several different things about pornography recently, one of which is that it's harmless, that it's a victimless crime because it's something you engage in. Uh, in your own home, that kind of thing. And then another was I heard a podcast recently where uh, the debate was going on between people who were ostensibly followers of Jesus as to whether or not pornography was actually a good and positive force or whether it was a bad thing for Christians to engage in. And I think that it is an issue that is way more prevalent than people would even be willing to admit. But I think that it's out there. It's all over the place in our culture. And as followers of Jesus, we need to know how to think about it, how to address it, how the gospel specifically speaks to that issue and those who are engaged in it. So that's our starting point for today. But I'd like to hear you guys react to to those things. Yeah, when you say it's more prevalent than people know, people ought to know that uh, pornography takes in more money than all major sports combined. It's huge, and there's a reason it's huge. So Zach, go ahead and frame this up for us like you usually do. Yeah, I think the the thing to think about is when we ask something like, uh, is pornography wrong or is it okay, uh, there's two ways of thinking about this. One is, uh, are there biblical commands that would uh, say yay or nay about any one thing? Can we point to exact verses that would say uh, engaging in this behavior is wrong in God's eyes? And then there's another way of thinking about it, which is to say, knowing not just the commands of God, but knowing the heart of God, who God is, what God is doing in the world, and who he wants his people to be, and what it looks like to join him in what he's doing in the world, does it fail uh, to meet that test? And in the case of pornography, I actually think it's wrong on both accounts. It's both wrong in that there are clear biblical commands as to what sex is supposed to be, how we're supposed to think about other humans, how we're supposed to think about our own sexuality. And I think if you read the Bible, it's evident that pornography is far from the heart of God. So in that way, I would say it fails either test. I think one of the questions we need to ask is what the difference is between lust and love. Because when we read Scripture over and over again, God is uh, telling us to love each other, and he's warning us not to lust. And I think part of that is that lust is uh, me-centered, Love is always the other-centered. Mm. And one of my problems with pornography, and I have a bunch like, Zach, you listed out some, and I think we have more coming, is that it changes the flow of sexuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, God's intent for sexuality was the same as his intent for everything else, to express uh, love for the other, to be a giver and not a taker, right? Yeah. So uh, the way sex is supposed to work in marriage is that it is a demonstration of my love for my wife. The way it works in pornography is that I'm using someone else 
for me. That's a whole different flow. The whole river flows a different way. And if you get used to that river flowing enough as a single person uh, flowing into you, then your ability to even understand how sex is supposed to work is damaged. Yeah, and I think what you're hitting at there is lust seeks to consume people. Right. And people as image bearers, uh, bearing the image of God, are not meant to be consumed. That is not their purpose. That is, And that's what I was saying earlier about you know, pornography really is anti-gospel. I mean, it, it just it hits at the very core of what God is doing in the Bible, which is validating the value people have in bearing his image, whereas pornography reduces people down, even if they're willing, even if someone says, I want you to look at pictures of me naked. I want you to watch me have sex with this person. It doesn't matter. We are saying that is not why you were made. You are not made to be consumed right. in this not way. Commodity, yeah. yeah, and you can see this pretty starkly in Genesis because in Genesis 2, when God makes Eve and and brings them together. Adam, I like to say Adam sings the first R&B song ever, you know, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, right? There's this beautiful idea that she belongs to me and I belong to her. And then in Genesis 3, you have the fall, and immediately in Genesis 4, you get to Lamech, who has taken two wives for himself. And you think, well, why would he do that? God has designed one woman for every man. And it's because instantly you see one of the immediate effects of the fall is that Lamech is saying one woman's not enough. I need more. Right. And and he's, his starting point is not God gave me a woman. Right. His starting point is I need more than what God's given me, and that's the nature of lust. Right, and, and that's also the nature and the magic of pornography, right? I mean, the reason it's a billion, billion-dollar industry is because uh, we were talking about it earlier. There's something called the exhaustion of erotic potential, right? So you uh, you always want more. You always want something else. Even uh, need it. At a certain right. point, you need it to and get the, the same And effect. the idea of marriage is that one person, yeah. God has designed you for one person to satisfy you for a lifetime. Yeah. But when you go outside that, then you not only need more than one, you need you need to always be pushing the boundary, which is why pornography gets gets worse and worse. Yeah. And people who get into pornography are never, never satisfied with a level of pornography. It goes down to another level. You always have to go past the boundary yeah, that you're used and, to. And that's the point. Monogamy, monogamy is not just uh, best sexually, and you're talking about erotic potential uh, and all of that, but also it's about trusting God, right? And it goes back to that Genesis 2, Genesis 4 divide where in Genesis 2, Adam is saying, this is the woman God is made for me. I trust God that this is good for me, right? Versus Lamech is saying, what's God got to do with it? I want more than what I have. And so you see that pornography, it isn't just illicit sex. It isn't just consumption of people. Pornography is saying to God, what you have for me is not best. Your way of doing this is not best. And in that, it is actually rebellion against God. It is saying to God, you're cheating me. You are limiting me. Right. You are inhibiting me. You And that is, by the way, what the serpent said to Adam and Eve. God doesn't want you to be happy. And that's the lie of pornography. What God has given you is not enough. He doesn't want you to be happy. You will never be happy unless you have this. And by the way, interesting to note that the word pornography derives from the Greek word porneia, which is used a lot of times in the New Testament to describe any sexual immorality outside of marriage, that that even on its face, pornography is saying, oh, yeah, 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 all that stuff God said not to do, you can get it from us. I mean, right. that is the etymology of the word pornography is the Greek concept of every kind of sex that was outside of marriage. I think uh, one of the conversations that's important to have is even defining what pornography is. And here's why I say that, because 
there might be people who listen to this who say, well, you know, I don't go on the internet and look at explicit pornography because I know that's wrong, but there are certain things that I watch and I listen to that if I'm honest, they don't line up with God's heart, as we've talked about earlier. So maybe it'd be good for us even to help in that conversation to say, okay, when we talk about pornography, what do you actually mean? Yeah, I think I would say it this way, that I would define pornography as anything um, that is, I'm going to give a two-part definition, anything that is made for your consumption in terms of, in a sexual sense, or anything you seek to consume for satisfaction sexually outside of marriage. So, and what I mean by that is, uh, obviously, if you go to a pornographic website, they have made that website so that you will, uh, you will consume their product in pursuit of sexual pleasure. That is why it exists. So it's easy to look at that and go, yeah, that's, that's pornography. That was made to satisfy you sexually outside of marriage. But a magazine, right. a TV even, show. Even if you stop there and you think of like a marriage, yeah. uh, a husband who goes after his wife to consume her, to, to yeah. use yeah, her for himself, be abusive. It, it, it'll yeah. be awful. Yeah, yeah. That's, even though, that's just not the right direction. That's what, know and that. that's what right. I was saying about you, you don't want to reduce it down to just the rules. Because right. that guy could say, well, I'm having sex with my wife. That, that's within the rules. It is within the rules. It's not within the spirit, which is to give Right. Not to consume. But I would also say anything you consume for sexual satisfaction outside of your marriage is pornography to you. So Whether it could be on, that the TV yeah. show is not like the writer of the creator of the TV show would say, I'm absolutely not creating this for you to pursue sexual satisfaction outside of marriage. But if you're consuming it that way, then it is that for you. And I, I think that could cover everything from uh, television to print media to fantasizing about a coworker or they become pornographic to you in so much as you consume them. Because in your mind, you have transformed them from an image bearer to a, per, to to a, product. a commodity. Yeah, yeah, to a product. And, and, and I think that is also made most manifest uh, by the relationship between pornography and human trafficking. Which is there? You can you you can read about it. It's all over. Where they are constantly finding women who have been trafficked, who are not being pimped out and prostituted, but rather are actually being locked up in an apartment somewhere, making pornographic material. And the truth is, if you consume pornography, you have no idea why the person on that video or in that picture is doing what they're doing. You have no idea if they've been trafficked. You have no idea if they're strung out on drugs. Right. You have no idea if they were abused as a child. Uh, but in a lot of cases, the product is getting to you by way of really, really even, heinous things. Even somebody who would say, well, I'm actually paid to do this. I want to do this. Yeah. Even that, I but, think. Yeah, Jimmy, mentioned, you mentioned to me about the, the podcast. Yeah, I, was, uh, yeah, yeah. I heard somebody say on a podcast that he was basically – uh, again, it was somebody who was professing some semblance of faith in Jesus, and what he was saying was, well, I don't think it's wrong for me to consume pornography because the, the pornography that I consume, I make sure that it is, you know, the performers are paid well and the conditions are good. So he's basically <laughs> saying, I'm consuming <laughs> he's, organic, he's fair organic, trade yeah, right. pornography, and, yeah. which that completely ignores the aspect of it, that even if that's the case, yeah. that the performers are paid well, it's done so willingly, yeah. all of those things apply, yeah. you're still taking somebody well, who's creating the image. Well, let's just start with his acknowledgement in saying that he's acknowledging that a lot of pornography out there fails to meet those standards. And I do think that's worth saying because 
I think it's just interesting. I am 36. People in my generation have a love to rail against human trafficking while consuming more pornography than any generation in the history of the world. I just want to point out the hypocrisy well, of that. But I was going to say, I've heard you point out hypocrisy yeah. in another way, even yeah. in the way we consume other goods. That's right. In my neighborhood way- in, in Cleveland Heights where I planted, I would always say to people that people in my neighborhood would not eat like chicken, for example, unless they knew certain things about it. They would not eat chicken unless it was antibiotic-free, if it had lived not in a cage, if they had to know all these things about the chicken in order to eat it. And if it wasn't those things or they couldn't be sure it was those things, they wouldn't eat it. And yet they would watch pornography without any thought as to where those people came from or the circumstances that got them there because, to be frank, they cared more about chicken than they did about people. And, and that is an inversion of values that pornography brings about. But even in cases where you know the people have, are doing it volitionally, and again, I would argue it's very hard to know that because even if I receive a paycheck, what got me to this point? Right. There are not very many little girls and little boys who wake up, who wake up in the morning and say, one day I'm going to be a porn star. Right, and, and what, what that's doing inside of them. They that's may right. be getting paid well and then uh, deadening their pain through all kinds of drugs yeah, and all that. Yeah, well, stuff. if you had a family member who, well, and if you had a family member who was a drug addict, but they were a drug addict by choice, would you be okay with that? Right. If you had a family member who sold themselves into slavery, but they did so by choice, would you be okay with that? Is the argument that it's okay for little kids in uh, Southeast Asian countries to make our clothes and our shoes and sweatshops as long as they do it by choice? Or are we recognizing that sometimes people make choices that are damaging to them, that are not best for them. And it's our job as neighbors who love them to refuse to participate in those choices. And again, I think all that kind of argument does is I know what I want. I want to consume people. So let me try to binge. Because look, Jesus said this, the whole law summed up in this, love God and love your neighbor. Even if you're trying to make the argument, which I think the guy you're referencing is, that I can still love my neighbor and watch them have sex. You cannot love the God whose image they bear. Right. That is a deal breaker. This is uh, one of the things a professor of mine said years ago that stuck in my head. He said, modern man has removed the fig leaf that covered his genitals and put it on his face. Hmm. And I I thought that was Hmm. because what he's saying is that we have become so free with, with stuff like pornography uh, but we are removing the the very image of God, the the face, the the individual, the personality, what God created them for, uh, and so that's what we keep trying to say here with the pornography thing. And one of the ways you know that is if you're listening to this pornog- if you're listening to this podcast right now, and you're looking at pornography actively, regularly, or you have a spouse who's doing that, you can see it's destructive nature in your lives. Right. Yeah, I, I just know that. I know it's damaging your intimacy with your spouse. It's damaging your relationships. It is leading you to guilt and shame. It is desensitizing you. You know, I, I have realized this, that when a guy comes to me and tells me he's developed an addiction to pornography, the first question I've learned to ask is, are you looking at child pornography? And sometimes the guys get offended. And I say, uh, let me ask you this. Are you looking at anything now that you would have thought you would not have looked at in the past? And they'll always say yes. And I say, yeah, if you continue down this road, you will get there because you will keep pursuing. Well, it goes back to what Joe said earlier. Yeah. It does. And it's also a spiritual element that part of the lie of sin is I will make you happy. Right. And and since it doesn't, what sin says to you is, well, a little more. You got to do a little more to be happy. You got to do a little more. And so you just keep you just keep pulling on the thread until you end up in a place you, you, you never thought you would be. Yeah, one of the things that we uh, we mentioned that we we wanted to talk about too is uh, to warn parents uh, with kids right now. You know, I was thinking that uh, a cigarette 
companies made a uh, just a great marketing uh, strategy when they gave free cigarettes to all uh, World War II soldiers because every soldier that came home was now a customer. Right? So uh, pornography didn't become a multi-billion dollar industry without thinking about marketing to the next generation. And so they are constantly, if they can get a, a customer that starts when they're 10, they have a customer for life. Yeah, and, so, I, and I think we would all say that uh, as pastors, the the men we meet with, and this issue affects both both men and women, and that's important to say, but, but obviously for us, we're going to be meeting with men to talk about it. And when we do, I have always found that when I meet with a man who's addicted to pornography, he started looking at it at a very young age. Right. Well, I've, uh, I've been in student ministry for eight years, and in the eight years that I've been in student ministry, the average age of first exposure to pornography, it was 11 when I started. It's now something like seven or eight. Yeah, and we just have to realize as parents, like I, I have five kids. Uh, my oldest is an 11-year-old boy. And my next one is a nine-year-old girl. We have to be vigilant, and, and we have to make sure that what's driving our parenting decisions is not the spirit of the age, that we aren't just giving our kids things that everybody else has or treating them the way everybody else's parents are treating them, but that we're asking questions about what is wise, what is best, that we're talking to our kids about what they're being exposed to, that we have an open dialogue with them. And, you know, like in my home, what this means is our kids are never on the never on the internet without us being in the room. You know, they they don't have free access to the internet just any time because I because I'm worried for them. I know what's out there. I know right. and I I tell my son all the time, son, there are things on the internet that can destroy your life. And now, it's my now, job to keep you from them. Now, what do you do with them when they go over to friends' houses? Because it can happen in a heartbeat, yeah. right? He can uh, he can be over to friends' yeah, house. He a, can be at you, school you and can't somebody create just a bubble. Says, so one of the things that I have done with my son is when I had uh, the beginning stages of the talk about sexuality with him, one of the things I said to him is, you are going to see and hear things that you won't understand over the next few years. You are never going to be in trouble by coming and talking to me about those things. You can ask me anything you want. You can talk to me about anything you feel, anything you've seen, any word that you've heard that you don't understand. I will never lie to you. I will always tell the truth, and I will never be mad at you for coming and talking to me. And the hope is to create a dialogue where he is coming to me. But what that means then is when he does come to me about stuff, and he has, I need to be careful not to overreact. I need to... To, to put my money where my mouth is and to be the kind, measured parent I told him I was going to be. But the only way we're going to reverse this trend in our church is if we, like the porn companies, start aiming at the young generation and pushing them to, to resist and to be safe from pornography for as long as they can. Yeah, if I could say two things to parents, uh, it would be, number one, what Zach just said, to find a way to open the dialogue with your son or daughter about this because uh, no matter where they go to school, I think sometimes people will say, well, I send my kid to this or that school, so and they think that kind of solves the problem. It doesn't. The statistics bear it out that this is a universal thing and it's happening younger and younger. And so the best thing that you can do is open up a dialogue with your son or daughter about it so that when things begin to happen and they begin to stumble across things, uh, they feel free to come to you because that's really, really important in removing the shame that, could, that comes with it. And there are a lot of reasons why kids won't come to their parents to talk about things. They need to know that this one is a safe one. But then the other thing I would say is just to know that even uh, our staff here, our student ministry staff, is equipped to help you in terms of 
how to have those conversations in terms of giving you the ability to feel educated about what's going on on certain social media platforms, how you can best uh, talk to your kids about this, prevent them from, or do everything you can to prevent them from being exposed to it. But the reality is uh, you can put all the measures in place. They're going to be exposed to it. And so, and by and large, they're ahead of you. They may have already. Yeah. Your student knows more about the technology than you do. Right. They can find things on the internet that you don't even know exist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the last thing would be to remind those of you who are parents and all of us who are adults uh, that uh, it starts with us too. Yeah. So uh, one thing about pornography is that it, it is very much like uh, addiction. It lights up the same part of your brain, so it's very hard to get off. So we also have courage to change. We, ha- we have counselors here on staff at church. Uh, this is something that we want to be passionate about pursuing healing and to bring out of the darkness kind of into the light. So if, if you are struggling with pornography, we want you to know that you can find help here, yeah. and we want you to. Yeah, you are not something to be consumed. The people you're looking at are not something to be consumed, and you know that. You don't want that. You don't want to feel that way, and you don't want to feel that way about others. Jesus can set you free from that and can lead you back to a place of true joy and hope and innocence, not shame. He can do that. But you're going to have to take the step of admitting that you have a problem and seeking help, and we're here to do that in any way that we can. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, you can email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.